Fundat hash decoded. 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 Welcome to this episode of the Founder Tech Decoded podcast. I'm delighted to be talking to Mary Lynn, co-founder of Odin. Alternative finance is such a big piece of the Founder Tech conversation and the way it's evolving. It's a pleasure to be talking to one of the predominant players in this space. Odin are innovating the way investors and founders can leverage vehicles like SPVs to create a much more agile and fluid funding landscape. So Mary, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Let's just talk about what made you write the blog post, like like the, what, what's going on there. Let's just start from there. <laughs> so, I mean, I've been trying to get into writing actually for a while now. I think it is quite important because in this day and age, if you like don't exist on the internet, you basically don't exist. And it's not the same as back in the day if you're talking to people in person and everyone's starting on the same foot. If you have some people who are very visible online, but then you just aren't, it's hard to, I think, have the same level of credibility. So that's that was one of the reasons I wanted to start writing. And then the other one was just, it's obviously a much more scalable way of sharing your ideas. And I was finding that, you know, you start having the same conversations like again and again and again and again. And it's quite nice to have something already written there where people can already read what you kind of what you're about and you can kind of start digging a bit deeper into other things right in your conversations. So I've noticed with you and Paddy that, that you take a strong tone of voice, right? You take, a, you take a strong position, which must be a conscious decision as well as a stylistic one. What, what is that about when you're looking at Odin and you're trying to kind of carve a market position? What, what do you see as is sort of strategic around doing that? So I'd say actually it wasn't really a conscious decision. It was more that we are like that anyway. And I think with a lot of startups, they try to not come across, you know, too much like they have a stand, like they don't want to yeah. come across political, for example, right? In case it's a bad business decision and you're alienating certain users. Whereas for us, I think it's probably just harder for me anyway to try and not show people 100% of who I am. So it's, yeah, it's kind of, let's just see what happens. And if it doesn't work, <laughs> then we can change that approach. I think there's a, there's a, there's a serious point in there. So in in the in in your post, which obviously we'll link to in the notes earlier, in the grids, you alluded to something that I was having a conversation the other day. Is that actually very few investors, because it's very hard at the moment, right? For a lot of people raising sort of you know pre-seed seed, it's mm-hmm. really tough. Like consistently, even really good founders, they're finding yeah. it really really hard. And so we've been discussing that. The last episode was coming out, I think, end of this week with, with Serkan Farah of Pitch Space, right? He's really, really good. Really, in any other climate, would have been, would have got money, or you can look at Daniel from Shipshape and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about that, you know, when it was kind of like a bull market, you know, in September, October last year, and now it's quieting down. What that must mean is that the majority of investors do not actually have a point of view or a portfolio expertise, because otherwise that wouldn't rescind, right? It would, they would still, there's still so much opportunity, there's so many problems to solve across all sectors that they would continue to do that. So it, so much must be this herd mentality of it's safe to make investments now and take advantage of SEIS, CIS, all that kind of stuff, because because loads of other people are doing it. So I kind of got that from you, that this sort of safety in numbers is one of the problems in the space. Is that is that correct, as, as you see it? Yeah, so most of the 
users on our platform are angels, right? And they're so it's they're slightly different to VCs. What I would say is most of the angels I know, and there's still a lot of angels investing. I think the category of angels you'll find who probably aren't investing as much will be the ones where they may have been relying a lot on yeah, the signaling from having, you know, a VC as a lead. But I don't I wouldn't say that's most angels. I think, you know, people quite often ask if you have a lead, but the ones that I've met, you know, if if they believe in you, it's it's not that much of an issue. But yeah, there's definitely fewer VCs investing at the moment. And so if your plan was to rely on VC funding, that's definitely kind of it's a lot more difficult now. So when I talk to founders, I basically tell them to maybe just not bother with reaching out to reach out to VCs right now because sometimes you see people just literally wasting like six three to six months and I'm like man if you spent that six months just trying to talk to angels you would probably be in a much stronger position right now but, but I totally agree but even with angels right I think maybe it's different on Odin because just by them being on your platform they're signaling a degree of open-mindedness to new to new methods right and to new approaches which is just by being there but I I my experience is, and, and all the people that we talk to is, is that even with angels, very, very few. So let me let me make it more literal. So mm-hmm. a lot of what Pilot Round is about, about is found a market fit, right? And and why that's so interesting is that I didn't invent that phrase. Like I don't make any claim to doing it, but we have sort of popularized it and kind of like filled in the blanks there. I mean, it's obviously a cousin of product market fit. And then so the question becomes like, when everybody says, and all angels will say this, or all investors, it's you know, it's eighty percent is the v, is, sorry, is the founder. You know, the founder is eighty percent of the value equation. And then you say to them, okay, all right, even in in something that you have a point of view on and maybe a portfolio preference with previous investments, what is it about that founder that you're evaluating that enables you to consistently signal to yourself and to that founder that you're serious and that you're going to likely complete a ticket? And very, very, very few angels have any kind of model for that in, at all. Like, a, you know, they'll say it's my guy, it's his first impressions, mm. all that. But very few, considering that is like 80% of the value equation, have any type of model. And I find that staggering. I don't think you would see that replicated in any other industry, let's say a food industry, where a certain crop was 80% of it. They wouldn't have not, not understand the crop, you know, basic principles. Do you see, do you see what I mean? I've always find that staggering when 100%. you do ask people. So I think I'd say part, I would say the reason for that is partly because most people probably aren't even aware of what it is that's made them feel that strong kind of gut reaction to the founders. So even if you told them to build that model, I bet most people, even if they took an attempt at it, it's probably quite wrong in terms of what yeah. they think they were basing their, their judgments on. Yeah, but, but, then, but then surely then it would follow that there would be you know, the space, whether you call it founder market fit or whatever, founder fit, whatever it is, would be much more populated, right? There would be discussion about it. There would be there would be theories about it. If, even if you Google it now, there's hardly anything there. And I just think when we're talking about, let's just say, Pied Round Odin, like investing in early, right? And backing, I, I totally agree with your vision that I think the future is these types of founders finding two, three, four little syndicates, little networks of investors that back them early, back them on these first tickets, really do add value. And then and then you build from there. I, I totally believe, believe that's the future. Where, where Where is the thinking? 
like where why isn't it there and 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 if it's not there surely that suggests that the thinking isn't there and actually a lot of the randomness and the chaos and the sort of the impact on founders and deal flow comes because there is no model consistent model in in itself or, or or maybe it's not maybe it's just something completely different it's just a quirk of the market that it hasn't ever kind of thought about these things because it didn't need to because it could always evaluate product mvp customer lifetime value all of those things were always there and now actually what we're getting is a migration earlier and because of what you you guys do you know the ability to invest earlier has got stronger you know more apparent there's a bit of a word salad but what do you think yeah i mean i think also if you're looking at angels it's not like it's not that common anyway for you to find angels who have like a it's almost like if you were doing this full-time maybe as an angel you might be more likely to put together these models right even like someone's thesis you would probably find a lot of angels haven't even like formalized basically most things yeah whereas obviously if you're a vc fund and i mean some vcs spend like upwards of 10 million a year on their kind of data science yeah. build like a scoring algorithm for for the founders you know the team and marketing and all of that but just angels don't i think have the resources to do all of those and the other thing is it's like a yeah it's normally something that someone's doing in their spare time right where they're, they're not necessarily putting in loads of effort into even doing things like outbound right it's kind of a lot of the time just oh if I have that intro and someone's or someone's reached out and I see something, then then I'll invest. But I'm not necessarily going to spend eight hours a week into improving how I do my angel investing. What do you think about the we had Jonathan Hollis on the podcast last week, and he said the stat that people are 13 times more likely to invest from a warm lead in their network. What's your view on the network effects? So I think it's one of those things where, because when me and Paddy started building this, you know, one of the things we considered was obviously, oh, well, is this a bad thing that we should try and get rid of, right? And the thing is, it's kind of just how humans work, right? In terms yeah. of your, you have a certain amount of time, if it's going to take you 10 times longer to do something where you don't feel like there's the, there's the kind of upside you would expect from that, you just, you're not going to do it. So as an example, right, it might be that, I mean, in this example, it would be if you're assuming that something that's come through a network has gone through a certain level of filtering and the quality is likely to be a lot higher, which usually does happen to be the case, right? And it's more about building the kind of technology that makes makes it much easier to identify, you know, people who are outside of your network, which is basically what, you, what you're doing, right? Yeah, yeah, we, we are. We are trying to, we are wed to this model of, inbound you know in, in in massively improving the inbound and outbound that you're talking about so it's frictionless for the investor and there's value add for the founder as well by creating these little elevation videos and then enabling them once the investors be able to review that quickly to then kind of activate the syndicate in that way and bring people in to kind of help them make these decisions yeah but, and actually on your kind of gut instinct point as well obviously if you don't have a video of the founder but someone's kind of sent in an intro you can at least assume that, you know, if they've met this person's recommending you somewhere where, you know, they got a good vibe from that person in person, right? Whereas let's say it is completely cold and you don't have a video, what you can get from a bit of text on a piece of paper or, or their LinkedIn profile is still limited. So you might find that 
when you see that video of the person or you meet them and you know when you meet them in real life that energy is just it could be that you can get the intensity of that person mm. right there's there's so many things that are you know all their mannerisms or that yeah. charisma and confidence yeah so it's been called subsurface cues as one of the nice phrases that's come up to describe all of that you know the, the stuff that you can see when you're in front of someone whether on a call or or in person there's a couple of aspects of this that just want to explore more ones around spv as well itself as a vehicle and how that's where that's at and, and what it is just to describe it to people who don't know in in, in, one, in one second and like where you think that's all going but the other thing is like this there's this phrase that's come up as like scalable niches and i think again you sort of alluded to it in your post earlier which again we'll put in the Put in the notes so you can see us referring to it but this idea that actually like the really valuable founders are not in i, I use your model of that that we don't need another groceries you know <laughs> nobody needs that and that is that's a totally different type of investing what we need or, or people like navigating these kind of complex verticals that they have a unique point of view and being given the resources to see can they navigate a path through that as valuable do you see that happening on the platform where those types of people are getting coming through and starting to be backed or is it too early to say so i think so on the svp point our first product makes it easy for founders and investors to raise capital from their network what that means for founders is you can create a deal you get an invite link that you could share with potential investors and we basically handle everything else so really really kind of streamlined fundraising process you could do multiple closes if you're doing it through then you also get a free essay you can raise from a lot more investors and still have one line on the cap table that's one of the main reasons founders use it which also means you can accept smaller ticket sizes and there's obviously so many value-add angels operator investors out there where they just don't have that liquidity whether it's a founder who might have been building a really really great company for four years um, but likely doesn't have 100k spare cash to invest but they could be really useful right as an investor and then on your other point about scalable niches scalable niches oh yeah so no one needs terms... another grocery <laughs> startup yeah i think interesting thing with making investing more accessible it's more just yeah. yes if you want to build a better society and better future when you have a balance of people who understand different perspectives you know that that is good and the fact that women and men you know it's, i don't think it's very controversial to say that they do behave slightly differently yeah. we often find that women care a bit more about like social impact They're, they are more likely yeah. if you look at other data sets to invest in things like climate tech or things that are for the social good so if you do want to build a future where it's not kind of lots of faster growth delivery, actually by simply letting more women participate, that already makes a huge difference. The other thing I think that's quite interesting is, and this wasn't kind of intentional on our part, we didn't go out to see, we didn't seek out, you know, like deep tech, cynical leads or anything, but you do, we do have a lot more kind of, kind of very sciencey startups on the platform. And I say that's partly because well, this would be my theory. If you are investing in deep tech or anything where most people, A, don't understand it, and B, it's not like a really hyped up space, you're going to be less likely to, it's like, you know, much harder to raise for, right, than a thing where everyone can understand what it is. But if you're building like a biotech, I don't know, startup that's doing gene editing, most normal people aren't going to know, you know, why this one's much better than another startup. 
And if let's say you could only fill 50K, but the deal fees on other platforms are too high to do these smaller rounds, the obvious choice is then to use us to do some of those deals, right? That, that would be my theory on why we see more deep tech yeah. startups on the platform too. Do you want to just talk about the commercials now you touched on them, like how they work with a, with a typical SPV? If you want to just talk through a case study, that would be great. Yeah, sure. Um, for the founder vehicle, we charge £2,000 and there's no VAT on top. And then uh, we charge slightly more for multiple closes. So obviously what happens a lot of the time is you're raising and like 90% of the money is in and you've just got a couple of stragglers. So yeah. we can do multiple closes and you know you get the money in your bank account, basically whatever you want, really. And is the 1000 upfront or on success base? So, yeah, no fees up front. When you decide you want to close the deal, we send you all the money and then we invoice you and then you pay us. Yep. Want to be as founder friendly as possible. No, no, no. Of course, that is that's incredibly, incredibly uh, founder friendly. Um, just a bit as we start to wrap up in terms of time. So, or, would you would you categorize yourself as sort of alternative or agile finance or funding? What category would you put yourself into? Well. This first product is more like an infrastructure product, right? That makes it possible for people to invest together. We're not yet a source of funding. So if you're a founder, you're using us because you already have those investors lined up. Yeah. You're not coming to the platform saying, hey, I need to find investors on the platform. That's not what we do. Yeah. The main user group, it's more investors who are investing in a company with their network. And they also use us to invest as one entity. But what's pretty exciting is we'll be launching the marketplace so investors can find other investors to invest with and a committed capital product. So if you are an emerging fund manager, because that's the other thing where it's super expensive to do that at the moment. And obviously our theory, which I'm sure most people would agree with, is just because you maybe have access to that network of people and uh, to raise a fund, it doesn't necessarily mean you're better at allocating capital. So for us, lowering the, the barriers to entry is super important, right? What do you think of the, um, the trend towards sort of founder-driven funds, so people who have been founders or solo capitalists starting to, you know, understand the dynamics that we're talking about and understand the distribution of capital and understand mm-hmm. that Agile and Arts are they're, they're coming to the table with those sort yes. of biases. But are you seeing that? Do you, what, what, what's your view on well, that? So, so I think it's a natural evolution of, uh, I mean, obviously in Europe, it's kind of, I feel like it's only really been the last couple of years where angel investing has started becoming a thing. And when you have, um, well, I think what we've seen is increased liquidity. You've got more people maybe cashing out in secondaries from working at a startup. There's more angel investing. I think the natural next step is a lot of these people to set up funds, you know, after they've been investing all, you know, they've built that track record. People trust them with making certain capital allocation decisions. I think you're going to see a lot more operator investors setting up funds and, you know, you'll end up with founders raising from, from those people and choosing to raise from those VCs instead. Well, it speaks to what you're saying for the vision of it. I think those people will definitely, obviously, it's so self-evident to say that they'll back their point of view. And a lot of those people will want to see change in society and will back that change. And so it all follows through. I think that's one of the things of this sort of founder tech conversation is that a lot of what we're saying now in two, three years will be so self-evident that almost every conversation on this podcast will seem so quaint and weird. Like, it's like, why were you even discussing these things? They're obviously, were. and I think that's what's so exciting is like you're pushing on relatively uh, a relative open door, but you're pushing on something that once we're there and you look back, 
the whole thing, the whole current system is so archaic in many ways and unfair and biased and it doesn't even know it's biased and all that. But once you just move and then, you know, sort of the leaders, leading investors, leading founders, then move just simply onto that rewired ecosystem, you're just there. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like you have to do anything else. It's just, mm, yeah. and, I, and I think what you're, you guys are doing is absolutely part of that. So, as we wrap up, leave with a shout out to anybody listening to this. What, what you know, like what, what where you'd like them to go or what you'd like them to do. But is there anything to, speaking to that vision where you and Paddy go out for a beer, going, oh, this could happen, this could happen. <laughs> like, uh, like what, what, what might that be? We can share more of this at the live event. But what, what, what is the insight into that? I think this could happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so obviously a lot of people talk about wanting to, you know, change the world, whatever. But for us. It isn't just about helping people invest together. It really, and this is what I mentioned in the blog post as well, when you invest in a company, that really is a financial vote in how you want the future to be. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't actually think of their investing in that way, right? Sometimes I think, actually, I think probably with a lot of investors, if you ask them, does your portfolio actually reflect the future you want to live in, the answer would be no a lot of the time. Um, and for us, it's really about building that platform that also changes that, which is why for us, community is a really important thing. If you're, you know, investing with a group of people with shared values, I think the behavior is, is slightly different. And yeah, I mean, watch the space. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the title of the podcast, like investing as a vote in the future you want to see or something like, or the words to that effect. I think that's, I think that's great and really, really succinct. Is there anything in terms of people listening, we'll put the notes in, put your LinkedIn in, obviously they can go to join Odin.com. Anything else, when we put your blog post, yeah, like what, 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 what anything else that, that you would like people to sort of tune into or how they make contact or anything like that? Um, so my... If anyone wants to ping me a message, my Twitter has uh, DMs open. So I'm at, maybe I should change this. It's Morty underscore Lynn. M-O-R-T-Y underscore Lynn. Because, you know, from Rick and Morty. Do people find that easily? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess it's reasonably easy to to remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's lovely to, now, to talk. Um you know, I hope we can realign pilot round what you're doing. I think they are absolutely complementary. So it's great to kind of hear you sort of sort of share a point of view, but also kind of where you're going. And I really, I really do believe in this sort of this idea of investing as a vote in the future that you want. You know, I think that is, I don't think that is a sort of, a, I hate the word, but like woo-woo thing to say at all. You know, it's just not, it's just not, it's, it makes sense, right? Every, it, it, it makes commercial sense, but it also makes societal sense and it makes sense it's in your interest right and and i think that wasn't so possible before but now it is um mm. due to and, yeah. yeah i think the other thing was just um because i think obviously you could invest in like an esg fund but realistically if you're talking about some of the most pressing problems facing humanity you know let's say climate change the likelihood is the company that's going to help us fix that you know it's probably going to be spun out of a research lab somewhere and investing you know at those early stages it's going to be a lot more impactful right i mean i don't even know if what's in some of these esg funds but you know it's probably like going to shell or something <laughs> yeah yeah no for sure and yeah and, and and all those sort of sustainable goals are so abstract but i think actually when this investing works really well it's the opposite of abstract it's, it's very very precise in terms of like people sharing that common point of what they're trying to solve and then I think risk, the nature of risk changes as well. If you've got two, three, four, five people in a network invested via 
platform like Odin into a really exceptional founder and they actually all aligned around that and they understand the challenge of it I think you get different totally different start, style and type of investing I think it's totally different mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I think 100%. that's what you're talking to so um, well Mary thanks a lot so much for for your time thanks for having me on yeah it's been great